So last week, we talked about God's grace, and, and some of you probably weren't here, so we're going to spend a little bit of time recapping what we talked about last week, and that's going to set us up to go into where we're going tonight. This is a, a two-week series on grace and truth. Last week was grace. Tonight, we're going to talk about the truth of it. And so, so here it is. Last week, we were talking about God's grace. We started with the fact that we're all broken we're all searching. We've all been there. Now, I don't know um, if you guys can relate with that, but we talked about all the different areas in our life that we search for purpose, that we search for meaning, that we search for love, that we search for value. And we talked about how we're broken, and sometimes we search in the wrong places. We looked at, at Genesis chapter 2, and we looked at the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we talked about how God had placed Adam and Eve in this beautiful paradise of a garden, and everything was perfect, but all of a sudden, there was some deception, and they, they, were, they were deceived into thinking there could be something better. And so they chose to go a separate way. They chose to, instead of worshiping God and being unified with God in this paradise, they chose to try to get something different. Romans 1.25 is a scripture we talked about last week, and it says this, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. And so last week we talked about how worshiping and serving created things, whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's power, whether it's material things, whatever it is, is not life-giving, but it, it, it leaves us empty. It's created, it's not, it's temporary. It doesn't give you what you're looking for. And we talked about the fact that God's grace is what we're really after. And so ever since that moment that Adam and Eve chose to go their own separate way and chose to worship created things, and we would call that the, the original sin that happened, choosing to worship created things over the creator God, ever since that moment, we as humans, you and me, Everybody since that moment has been lost and broken. We've all been searching. We've all been searching in created things. We've all been searching in all these different ways to find our purpose, our meaning, our life. And then we got to the, uh, the good news last week, and that's from Romans 5, 6 through 8, and it says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we talked about that's God's grace. Last week, that's where we end. That's God's grace, that we're searching, we're broken, we're lost, we're even, we're messed up. But God loves you so much that while you were still messed up before you did anything to deserve this, God sent his son to die on the cross for you, to pay for your sins and give you life, to get, let you be free of the bondage, of the, uh, of the stuff that messes up your life, the temporary things. And so that's where we were last week, God's grace. That's God's grace, that God loves you so much that though you never deserve it and there's nothing you could possibly do to ever deserve it, God loves you and wants to give you peace and wants to give you life. And so that brings us to this week, and you're thinking, that's just the recap? What are we doing? And I promise you it's not going to be that bad. But, uh, but that brings us to this week, which is truth. 
And so we looked at a story last week. We looked at a story in John chapter 8. And and basically, um, that story was that the religious people brought a woman to Jesus. She had been caught in adultery. And in that day, in, in the religious system, a woman being caught in adultery, the punishment for her was that she was to be stoned. And so we have these religious people bringing this woman to Jesus, and part of it was, was that they wanted her to be punished for her actions, but the other part of it is that they wanted to trick Jesus and catch him and, and, and see how he would handle this situation. But they brought this woman before Jesus, and they said, she's caught, she's busted, she deserves to be stoned. What do we do? And if, if, if you haven't heard this story, it's an incredible story. It says that Jesus stoops down and is, is writing something on the ground with his finger. And he says, let the one of you without sin cast the first stone. And so the woman is guilty. She's messed up. And the right punishment for her is that she's to be stoned under that law. But Jesus says, let the one of you that hasn't sinned yourself cast the first stone. And what happens in in the story is that each person one by one begins to walk away because they realize that they have sinned and they have messed up and they have worshiped created things and they deserve the same punishment. And so they walk away. And and we, we have this moment with Jesus and this woman who's busted, who's caught, who deserves punishment. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? Where are your condemners? And the woman says, they left. And Jesus said, well, then neither do I condemn you. This woman did nothing to earn God's forgiveness and grace. She was still just as guilty as before. But Jesus says, no, I do not condemn you. I love you. But, but that's not where the story stops, and, and this is the part that I really love because it doesn't end with, hey, you're all good, just go back and do what you always do. But Jesus says this at the end of the story. Jesus says, go and sin no more. And so this woman was caught in practices that led her to death, practices that were temporary. She was worshiping things she shouldn't have been worshiping, and the just punishment was for her to die. And Jesus gives her grace, but Jesus loves her too much to just give her grace and let that be it. Jesus says, go and sin no more. Go, in other words, go and have life the way you were intended to have it. Jesus was constantly interacting with people like this, in Scripture, if you read through um, the, the Gospels, you'll see story after story where people are come to Jesus or are brought to Jesus who are messed up, who are broken, who are searching, who are lost. And time after time, Jesus treats them with grace and love. But time after time, Jesus calls them to something better than what got their life all messed up and broken. He calls them to something better. I think of the woman at the well that Jesus talks to, and these are stories throughout. A woman comes to to the, Jesus comes to the well, and there's a woman there, and it's kind of the same situation where, where she's broken and lost, and Jesus calls her to something better, but treats her with grace. There's a a paralyzed man that Jesus heals, but he doesn't just heal him of of what he's paralyzed of. He says, go and, and sin no more. Go, your sins are forgiven. Live righteously. Jesus calls disciples who are broken and lost and calls them to something bigger. 
We hear, we've heard the story of Zacchaeus. Maybe you haven't heard the story of Zacchaeus, but he's a, a tax collector that's, that's wanting to see Jesus, and Jesus goes into his house and eats with him and calls him to something better because in that day, Zacchaeus and the tax collectors were thieves, and they were broken, and they were lost, and Jesus calls him to something better. So this is the truth that we're dealing with tonight. God's grace frees us from sin and death. Because of God's grace, you are free from sin and death. The truth is that our response must be to choose life. You have a choice in this, in, in this situation. God's grace is free. God's given it to you. You are free of sin and death, but now you have a choice, and God wants you to choose life. So Paul addresses this in Romans 6, and Romans is a letter from Paul who was a missionary to the church in Rome, and basically what the, what the, what the book of Romans or the letter to the Romans is all about is teaching the Romans what God has done for them, teaching them how they react and how they glorify God and have the life that God wanted for them. And so chapters 1 through 5 of Romans are all about God's grace, and this is what God did for you, and, and this is it's free grace, it's what God's given you. And chapter 6 begins the discussion of this is your reaction, this is your response. So I, I want to paint a picture for you real quick. Have it, well, I, I shouldn't ask that and have you raise your hand, but just answer this to yourself so you, so you don't get embarrassed if this is the answer. But um, can you picture being in jail? Can you picture being in prison? Think about that. I mean, you've, okay, how many of you have seen movies that are people in prison or videos? Or, all right, everybody raise your hand. You've all seen them. Okay, don't lie to me. Um, prison, I mean, think about that. My, my boys and I were having a conversation this week. We were talking about jail. We were actually talking about um, punishment and obedience, and I was talking about how if they don't learn to obey now, they won't obey later, and then the consequences get worse and worse, and eventually one of the bad consequences could be that if they're not obedient and they don't do the right things, they could end up in jail and in prison. And so we were talking about this, and they were asking me about prison, and so I was describing how prison is really not life that, the life that we were intended to live. And I was describing a few of the times that I've gone to visit people in prisons, and, and one of them that comes to mind was like three or four years ago. There was a guy that I had a relationship um, with through the church that um, I was friends with, that I would meet with, and, um, and he had gone to prison, and actually it was a Christmas Eve service. I, someone came and got me and said that I needed to go to the jail to, to meet this guy. And this guy, his life was messed up and broken and lost, just like what we talked about. And I went to visit him, and he was tied to a chair in a room with nothing. And so, I mean, what kind of life is that? What kind of life is it to be stuck in a room with nothing and nobody and be spending all your time inside these four walls where you can't get out and you can't do what you were created to do? What kind of life is that? I, I'll never forget the guy's tears streaming down his face and, and snot coming out of his nose. And, and I mean, I'll never forget the brokenness and lostness and emptiness that was in that room. That's not the way we were intended to live. And so I want you to picture a prison I want you to picture a jail cell. The one that I was in with that guy was a pretty basic room. It didn't even have a, like a mattress bed. It had a concrete like ledge that he could sleep on. It had a toilet with no toilet seat. I mean, that's all that was in this room. That's it. 
Picture this. I mean, if you've never been to prison, and I hope you haven't, but if you haven't ever been there, you know what it looks like. Picture what it would be like to be in that situation. And you're paying the punishment for the crimes that you did. And it's not the life that you were intended to live, but you're stuck. It makes me think of of one of the greatest movies ever made, Shawshank Redemption. It makes me think of Andy Dufresne and the other prisoners that are stuck in this prison. And he's there um, unjustly. He hadn't committed the crime, but he's stuck in prison. And life is just not what it's supposed to be. And tonight, I want you to think about what it would be like if you had been in prison, if you had been living a life that you were not meant to live and stuck in these four walls without... I mean, imagine for so long, and God comes and opens that door and says, you're free. Because that's what we're talking about tonight. God's grace sets us free from bondage, sets us free from a life that we're not meant to live, that's full of death and brokenness and pain. And so picture that. Just through, through tonight, I want you to be picturing this prison, and, and you're there, and you deserve it. You committed the crime, and it's your punishment, and you're not experiencing the life that you were created to live. But think about God coming and opening that door and saying you're free, what would you do? What would you do if, if, if you were freed from the prison that you were a part of? What, what do you think your reaction would be? I want to hear someone say it. Come on, what would your reaction be? Okay, you, you'd, you'd make a sound. Okay, yeah, you'd, ex- you'd, be, you'd be happy. What would you do? Run? Okay, yeah, you'd run out. What are, let, let's get really serious with this. What would you do if you had been in prison for like 20 years, you hadn't experienced anything outside of the prison walls, what would be the first thing you would do? McDonald's. Oh, man. All right. McDonald's. I do love McDonald's, but that's a... Okay, praise God. That's good. All right. What else? Come on. Kiss the ground. Oh, okay. Kiss the ground. They have grounds in jail, though. What would you... See your family, yeah, see your family. Yeah, I mean, you, I'll tell you what you wouldn't do. You wouldn't turn around and say, "Now nah, I'm good, I kind of enjoy it in this jail cell. This is kind of a good thing I got going here with these walls and nothing else and being bored and, and not ever seeing, being able to kiss the ground or go to McDonald's or, or anything like that. I'll tell you, you would run, you would get out of there, you would see your family, you would live the life that God wanted you to live. And so that's what we're dealing with here in Romans chapter 6, is a God that has freed us from bondage, a God that has freed us from the penalty of death and destruction, and has given us life. And so I want to go back to, um, to, to the story of Genesis and Adam and Eve for a second, um, because that story, I think, has something that's really cool in it that's important for us to understand tonight. And, and part of that story is that it says that when man was created, that man was created in God's image. Okay, now, so I, I think some of us picture in our head that when it says God was created, we were created in God's image, that God looked like this. Like, maybe not this, probably something out there, but that God, we were made in God's image, and we we tend to think of that as like a looks thing, maybe. I tend to think of that a little bit different. I tend to think the fact that we were created in God's image has something to do with who we are and what we're capable of. We have choices. In fact, if we go back to that story of Adam and Eve, God created them and put them in paradise, but gave them the ability to choose. 
And so I think that's part of what it means to be created in God's image, is that we have the ability to choose. But not just that, not just the ability to choose, but the fact that our choices and our actions actually have the ability to create. Think about that. God created, made us in His image, and we have the ability to choose and create. Now, now that, might be, that might be a little weird to you, but I, I want to walk you through this. We have the ability to create. Have any of you been on social media lately? Have any of you heard of this thing um, that's going on right now called the election? And, and if you've been on social media and you've heard of the election and you've seen much stuff, then you understand that what you do can create things. I've got a story that's, that's really hard to tell you because it's one of the times that I created something that was really bad in my life. When I was in high school, um, I, I was a church kid. I grew up in church. I tried to do the right thing. And there was this kid at my school, and he was different, and, um, and he, he was hard to get along with, and nobody really was friends with this kid. And, and so... Actually, I, I'll be honest with you, I tried to do the right thing and be friends with this kid, and I would go try to talk to him, but I think he was so broken and so lost and so used to people treating him poorly that when I went and talked to him, he would kind of be mean to me, and so that pushed me kind of away from him, and I, I started with good intentions, but this guy was in my, um, he, he was in my PE class. And so I, I'm in PE class, I'm a basketball player on the basketball team, and all of my basketball friends are in this class with me, and it's this huge class. And, and one day, I'm walking into class, and this guy, who I had tried to be friends with, but always pushed me away and was kind of mean to me, this guy grabs my leg when I'm walking by and trips me. Okay, and it, uh, let me just be honest that the rest of this story isn't fun for me. But this guy trips me, and so me being Mr., I don't know if I was a junior or senior, but me being Mr. High School Athlete in front of this whole class, I got tripped in front of my whole class, and I thought, What's, I can't take that. That looks terrible. i got to get him back. And so I had a choice at that moment whether I would forgive this guy and be kind or whether I would choose a different path. Unfortunately, I chose a different path. And I got one of my friends to go over and get down behind him when he was standing up when the whole class was watching, and I went over and shoved him backwards, and he fell backwards, and the whole class laughed at him. And, and it, I'll be honest with you, it didn't feel great, but I chose something terrible. That guy's no longer alive. He took his life a few years later. And it wasn't my choice that made him do that, but I had a choice that could have brought life and happiness and peace, or I could choose my own way, my selfish way, and get him back and make him look silly. And ultimately, the, the combined actions of all of these people who chose to treat him the wrong way ended in him not feeling life was worth living. Your choices create. You can create good or you can create bad. The words you say to people can create chaos, 
in their lives. There are people walking around every day that are holding something on to them that, that somebody said a long time ago, something that somebody said that hurt them, and they're living with it every day, and it's caused chaos and pain in their life. We saw it a couple weeks ago in the election as news came out that somebody said something 11 years ago, and now there's this whole fallout because our words and our choices have, they have consequences. They create. Your bad decisions can lead to harm or chaos or death. When I was a pastor in South Carolina, um, we had a music group come in on a, on a Saturday night, and they were going to lead us in worship on Sunday morning. And they pulled in, I think it was like midnight or one in the morning, and they were trying to pull into our parking lot at our church in South Carolina, but there was a big dip, and so they had gotten out of their bus, and they were trying to direct the bus down into the parking lot so it didn't hurt the bus. And down the street, maybe like a half mile from our church, was an establishment called the Shady Lady, which was quite an establishment, not the kind of place you want to be. And a guy in that establishment decided that he, even though he had had tons to drink that night, that it would be a good idea for him to get in his car and drive home. And his choice ended in death for other people. People were outside directing the bus, and he didn't see him, and he drove right into that bus and pinned a couple of those people inside. And, and so on a Saturday night, right before a Sunday morning, one guy's choice created death and chaos for other people. I'll never forget that. Gossip. That's something we're pretty good at, talking bad about other people, like, hey, did you hear what he does? Did you hear? You know, that can create chaos in people's lives. All of a sudden, the, the person who we gossip about that's messed up, we've hurt their, we've hurt their relationships, we've hurt their, their self-esteem, we've hurt their image. Gossip can create chaos. Your actions can create a cycle that goes on and on. So I have four boys, and I drive around in my truck. And, and when things happen, you have the opportunity to react one way or another. And here's the thing. If you have kids, then you understand this, that kids are watching all the time. And the way that you react and the choices that you make and the words that you say will be repeated. And that's kind of scary for some of us because we're not perfect and we mess up. Your choices create, can create chaos and brokenness and death. But, but then there's the flip side of this, and that's that your choices can create life and goodness and peace. You can give somebody hope. One of my favorite things is, is adoption. When a, when a child is born into this world that doesn't have parents and doesn't have somebody to raise it and is in a hopeless situation and somebody else says, I'm going to adopt that child and I'm going to raise that child as if it's my own and I'm going to give that child life and peace and hope. And so you have the choice to do something like that. You can create life where there's brokenness. You can, you can give. There are a lot of people in this world that do not have access to clean drinking water. And so one of the things that's been huge the last few years is clean water projects. You can be a part of getting water to people that don't have it and create life because if you don't have water, you can't live. You can give someone confidence. You can give someone peace. It's amazing how just saying something nice and encouraging someone can turn around a broken day. And you guys have all been there because you've all had a bad day and then somebody said something nice to you, something kind to you, and it turned it all around. Your words 
can create peace and, and love. I, I had a meeting recently with somebody, and, and the whole point of our meeting was just to sit down and encourage each other. And I walked away from that meeting feeling encouraged, feeling loved, and I hope that was the same thing for the other person. Your words and your actions create. They can create chaos or they can create peace. They can create death or they can create life. Your good actions, this is the good side of it, your, what you say will be repeated. And so the things that you do will be seen and repeated by others, by your children, by other people. And so you have the opportunity with every choice you make to create. And, and I hope with four boys that, that at the end of the day when they're grown up that I can look back and see that my choices honored God and created peace in life and that they're following that in their lives. And so your choices, your actions, and your words create life or death. So now I want to go to Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 14, and it says this. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives... He lives to God. And then this gets really personal and it says this, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I just need to stop here and repeat this because this is so important. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God, alive to God in Christ Jesus. That word that's used there is legizomai. And that word in Greek really means to count it, know it. It's true. You are dead to sin. You're free of it. Like a prisoner that the door's been opened, you can run and be free. Count it. It's done. You're free of sin. You don't have to live that way anymore. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, do not offer any part of your, yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but you are under grace." count yourselves dead to sin. I've got good news for you here tonight, and we talked about this last week. God's grace is there for you, and you can be free of sin right now without ever doing anything to deserve it or to earn it. You are free. Count it. Put it on the board. You are dead to sin. The stuff that's broken, the stuff that's, that's made you broken and lost and hurtful, the stuff that leads to death and chaos in your life, you can be free of it right now. Count it that way but offer yourself to God. Offer yourself to God. In other words, as we talked about earlier, we have a choice. Paul goes on to describe the effects of that choice in verses 20 to 23 of chapter 6, and he says this, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, uh, slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
And so Paul's just saying this. Think about those things that you've worshipped, the created things. Where did they get you? They just got you to the same old place of being broken and lost and searching. But God's got something better, and that's life, and that's peace, and that's wholeness, and that's love. It's life the way we were supposed to live. And so here we are tonight. We understand from last week that God has offered us our, the free grace, but now we have to respond. And I'll be honest with you, this isn't a momentary thing. This is a daily thing. Every day you have a choice on how to respond to God's love and grace in your life. And every day you have the choice of are you going to live in death or are you going to live in life? You see, God's grace has set us free from sin we still have the potential to sin, though. We just don't have the obligation. Just like I said earlier, we, just like when we go back, you were created in the image of God, and so you have the opportunity to choose what you do. And you can choose death and brokenness, or you can choose life. When you choose death, there's personal death. There's personal chaos. And you guys all know somebody in your life whose life is just so messed up and so chaotic and, and just so dark because of the choices they've made that have led them down that path. Personal death and brokenness. Or you can choose life. You can choose peace. You can choose wholeness. You can choose love. You can worship the created things. You can worship money. You can worship power. You can worship politics. You can worship all of those things that are temporary and do not lead to anything but more brokenness. Or you can worship the creator God that would put you in paradise and give you life to its fullness, fullest. You can choose bondage and destruction. You can choose that jail cell that, that has you locked up and has you, has you not living life the way you were meant to live. Or you can choose life. You can choose all that God has for you. You can choose McDonald's and kissing the ground, and you can choose family, and you can choose love and all of the blessings that God has given us. You can create chaos and death with your actions. You can lead to brokenness in other people's lives. You can just, you can really mess life up. Or you can be the kind of person that brings peace and wholeness and love to the people around you. Ultimately, what Romans 6.23 says is that the, the wages of sin is death. If you choose this, it's death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Life the way it's meant to be lived. And so what's Paul's answer to the question of what do we do after we've received God's grace? His answer is simple. Offer yourselves to God and choose life. Picture it again. You're in that prison cell. And you've been locked up and you deserve it and you deserve this brokenness and God comes and opens that door and says, you're free. I want to challenge you to run out that door. I want to challenge you to choose life. I want to challenge you to love people and be a people of peace and encouragement. I want to challenge you to leave all that garbage behind that's going to break you up and ruin your life. And I want to challenge you to choose love and wholeness and the life that God really wants for you. God also wants to use you in the process of redeeming the people around you. And so as we choose life, we are worshiping God by being a part of his actions and his love for the world around us. So I want to challenge you tonight 
That is, you know you've had God's free grace. Your sins are paid for. You're free. I want to challenge you to choose love. I want to challenge you to offer yourself to God. Offer yourself to life and peace. And I want to challenge you to do that every day. Every day going forward. To choose love and peace and life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be together tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that despite my terrible decisions that have led to brokenness and pain and suffering and chaos, that you love me enough that you gave me grace. And, and even though I deserve to sit in a prison cell and deserve the brokenness and the pain that I've caused myself, Lord, you open that, that cell door and say, you're free. I don't deserve it, Lord, but you give it freely. And so, Lord, I come before you tonight, and I come before you with all of these people, and I just pray that each and every one of us would offer ourselves to you tonight. Lord, I give you everything I have. Lord, I want every word, I want every thought, I want every action that I do to bring life and peace and grace to the people around us. I want my life to glorify you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one that's come tonight. And I pray that we would offer ourselves to you now and that you would give us life the way you intended us to live, Lord. We love you and we thank you in thy name. Amen.